Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanksgiving is upon us. Do you have something that you're thankful about? If not, you should. You're listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast, an iconoclastic look at the latest Cleveland Browns news. The What the Elf Was That podcast is part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here's your host, Joel Cade. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of What the Elf Was That? A little bit late coming out on Wednesday, November 22nd today. Uh, had a little technical difficulties yesterday that prevented me from recording. So, but I'm here now, right? And you can be thankful for that. Thanksgiving time is upon us. And I think there's a lot of things for Browns fans to be thankful for. And today on the show, we are going to review top 10 reasons why I'm thankful this season for this season's Cleveland Browns. But before we get into all that situation, let's talk about the amazing thing the Browns have done in the last two weeks. In case you haven't been paying attention, and I think you haven't paid attention, the Browns literally just beat the Ravens and the Steelers back to back in the last two weeks. So in the real world, that means that team is taking control of the division. In the NFL world, <laughs> all right, it just means the Ravens are still in first place by a half a game because they have played one more game than the Browns have. So when the bye week hits, the Browns might be able to come into first place in the AFC North. On top of that, I believe the Browns are, are up there for the number one seed with the recent uh, Kansas City loss. So the Browns are in the thick of all of it right now. Okay, having gone back to back against the Steelers and the Ravens, the Browns have positioned themselves squarely in the middle of the playoff race. And I am extremely thankful for that because I have a son who's decided no matter where the Browns are playing their first playoff game, he's going. So, you know, hey, I'm rooting for something close like Indianapolis or something so I can like make a quick drive. But he's decided no matter where that playoff game is, he's going to go play it, make go to that playoff game. So, I am thankful that the Browns are in the thick of the playoff race. But let's talk about this Steelers game for a second. What happened in the Steelers game? So in case you guys didn't watch, which I'm sure you did, the Browns squeaked out a victory in that late, late victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers, of course, went on to fire Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator. Uh, if you're on Twitter at all, you get to hear all those Steeler morons talking about, uh, I mean, the fans, the fans on Twitter right? Talking about how this game was the Browns Super Bowl or some crap and, and how all this goes down. But have you seen the way the Steelers fans are celebrating the firing of their offensive coordinator? That is their Super Bowl. That is what they had to be thankful for is that they fired a coach. Now, as Browns fans, we've been there before, right? We've seen just how awesome it is to fire a coach because you think, oh, the next guy is going to be better. When in fact, 
the issue really isn't with the coaches themselves. The issue is generally always with the front office. But in Pittsburgh's situation, maybe firing their coach is going to somehow make Kenny Pickett's hands bigger or help him to see the ball field, maybe actually throw the ball accurately. Maybe it'll help him to read defenses. I don't know. Maybe they'll have a different coach that'll help him be more than what he is as a quarterback. I mean, clearly Aditi Kikabwala thinks that coaching makes a big deal when it comes to quarterback play. So now they need to go out and find themselves a quarterback coach. And honestly, I don't care. So, but speaking of quarterback coaches and quarterback play, did you guys see DTR throwing the ball around? Now you're going to say, oh, he threw the ball short and the Steelers picked up on it. Yes, that was what was happening. When you watch the game, the Browns, had to go away from the wide open, throw the ball all over the yard with Deshaun Watson offense, which is the most effective way to win in the NFL, which is why, no matter how good DTR is, Deshaun Watson is still your quarterback. Okay, let's not pretend that something else is happening. But with DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson in his first prepared NFL start, first game plan designed for him, uh, Kevin Stefanski did the smart thing and decided let's revert back to the outside zone offense, running play action passes and running the short timing passing game, because that is what DTR was good at in college. That's what the offense needs. And that's what he was good at when he was at UCLA. So Kevin Stefanski, by the way, who should be in the coach of the year running and piss on all those people who think they should fire him and piss on all those people who hold up Denny menu, Denny's menus and all that stuff. Okay. Kevin Stefanski is doing a masterful job of coaching. Masterful. Got PJ Walker off the street and won two or three games with the guy made him look like a real NFL quarterback. You've got Dorian Thompson Robinson in his second NFL start, which is legitimately his first prepared start leads the team to a victory. Admittedly, they scored 13 points. Pittsburgh still does have a good defense, even though they have the dirtiest player in the NFL. Well, I don't know if the dirtiest player in the NFL, because uh, I believe it's Kareem Jackson out there and Denver's making a hard run for that situation. But we've all seen the dirty pictures of, of TJ Watt tackling Joel Batonio, taking a wrestling leg down, leg takedown, that dirty player he is. He's probably upset, honestly that like the Steelers weren't able to flush DTR to his side so he could chase him down and get a cheap sack. And because he wasn't getting cheap sacks, he's pretty upset. So he had to go hurt somebody. But again, I digress onto the Steelers and the way they play football. So DTR came out and did exactly what you needed him to do in a start. He handed the football off. He threw short, quick timing passings, had very simple reads and was effective in moving the offense until until the Steelers figured out, hey, this is what's going on. How it took them that long to figure out this was going on is absolutely beyond me, but, you know, this is why the Steelers are where they are right now. When the Steelers figured that out, the Browns' offense pretty much got shut down. However, you got to the end of the game, needed a field goal, then all of a sudden DTR starts throwing the ball down the field. Now, admittedly, the Steelers are playing back. They're playing a little off leaving the open in the middle of the field open, which is where DTR is hitting them. But here's what I was impressed with. I thought the knock coming out on DTR out of college was the fact that he had a weak throwing arm. But if you look at him throw the ball, <clears throat> he does not have a weak throwing arm. 
that guy can play, can throw the ball. So after watching that game, I'm asking myself, why didn't he go earlier in the NFL draft? And that's something I need to look up. What, what was the knock on him that he didn't go earlier in the draft because he's smart. He seems to make good decisions and he has a strong arm. So what are we dealing with? Maybe that's a topic of a future podcast when I figure out what what's wrong with DTR. I mean, because I haven't found it yet. The first start was not real good. He's had some off. I mean, he had some um, looked like a pretty weak throwing arm in the first start. Maybe because he's not throwing the the rainbow ball. His arm strength is kind of hidden a little bit. Maybe he's throwing those darts. <clears throat> I don't know. But hey, he threw the ball with some accuracy downfield. Took the team down the field, helped out by some Kareem Hunt angry runs, some David Njoku angry runs, and ended up putting the team into position to kick that field goal. Um, Wins the game. DTR is the hero, right? I think moving forward, the Browns should continue to stick with DTR, despite of the fact, and we're going to our next topic of transactions, despite the fact that this week the Browns signed Joe Flacco, formerly of the hated Ravens, and most recently, I believe, of the Jets. Uh, I believe Flacco beat the Jets last season. Or beat the uh, Browns last Was it last season? Maybe I'll have to look that up. Joe Flacco, uh, the Joe Flacco fame of this is the most average quarterback that you can particularly find in the NFL. If you want average quarterback play, you sign Joe Flacco, and he's going to give you average quarterback play however i will point out for joe flacco and for the favor of the cleveland browns that joe flacco is a super bowl champion right he played on that ravens team that had a defense stopped offenses and flacco was able to run the offense effectively enough to put up enough points to win the super bowl and if the browns are hoping to make any kind of playoff run you need a guy like joe flacco there to help out in that uh, quarterback room to help out Dorian Thompson Robinson. And if Dorian Thompson Robinson should go down, Joe Flacco needs to be your backup, not PJ Walker. PJ Walker is there to tread water until your starter comes back. Dorian Thompson Robinson is now your starter. Joe Flacco needs to be your backup. And if worse comes to worse and, and DTR doesn't develop the way the Browns need him to, Joe Flacco's there. Install him as the starter. And then we'll try to make a run in the playoffs. So I think the the signing of Joe Flacco should be welcomed as a very, very positive development for the Browns. He has won a Super Bowl in the style of play that the Browns are, are playing right now. Need to make that happen. Otherwise, on the transaction wire, and I'm sad to say this, that the Browns have placed Rodney McLeod on injured reserve with a bicep issue. So hoping he can come back this season. I haven't seen whether this is season-ending injured reserve. Uh, I think this is a bigger blow than people are going to give credit for. I mean, right now we're already out one safety. He's the backup safety coming in, and now we're dealing with the backup safety coming out. You're going to need somebody who can direct traffic back there, and McLeod was the guy doing it, at least for right now. So you still got Delpit back there running around. Um, This also brings up, I believe, the guy out of Ohio State, Hicks, I believe it was Hicks or Hickman coming up out of Ohio State, coming onto the roster. So that's good news. But the bad news is McLeod's not there. 
Otherwise, on the transaction wire, you've got the Browns activating guard Michael Dunn off of uh, injured reserve. Now, that is some terrific news because Michael Dunn can also play tackle. And I, I will say the tackle four and tackle five have been pretty good for the Browns because you've got tackle one and tackle two out. Tackle three is Dewan Jones, who's been injured. And now you've got tackle four. Um, Hudson, and I don't even know the guy on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and that's a good thing because he's not playing bad, but he's actually playing pretty good. Um, you know, you got your tackles playing pretty well. You get Michael Dunn back. That actually adds depth to the interior and depth to the outside. So if you want to install Dunn back out there and tackle, you can. That's good news for the Browns moving forward. I believe that's all we're talking about on the transaction wire. I mean, we the... Uh, Austin Watkins Jr. activated was uh, old news. So, hey, after the break, let's talk some Thanksgiving stuff. It's the holiday season. Let's be thankful, particularly because we have the Browns who are in a positive situation and are able to win football games, are really in the top, in the hunt for the top seed of the AFC. Not saying they're the favorites, but they're in the hunt for the top seed of the AFC. So, after the break, we'll check that out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Special holiday edition of What the Elf Was That? We're going to talk about the top 10 reasons to be thankful for this year's Brown season. Okay? Number 10, P.J. Walker. Now, you might say, oh, my gosh, Joel, you just trashed P.J. Walker two minutes ago. And, yes, I did. But I am thankful that P.J. Walker could come in, hold down the fort, have a winning record, while Deshaun Watson was trying to figure his stuff out from getting injured, getting healthy. And he did what a backup quarterback was supposed to do. He, he held down the fort. He held down, he got a 500 record or better and put the team in, in position to succeed. This Browns record, this, this seven and three record, six and three record. I mean, come on. That's because PJ Walker played adequate quarterback play and held it down well enough to keep us in the hunt. So I am thankful for PJ Walker. I'm going to tell you who else I'm thankful for is Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith has taken up double teams, has gotten his own sacks, has become somebody the offensive line has to worry about on pass rushing that has allowed Miles Garrett to run free. And Zadarius Smith, by the way, is a bad, bad dude. I mean, Brown should be talking, locking this guy up long, long term, like, Three years. I wouldn't say more than that. But Zadarius Smith is a phenomenal football player, and he has absolutely helped to transform that pass rush. You've got the dueling ends we've been seeking for a long time with Garrett and Zadarius Smith, and Zadarius Smith is a one bad man, and we need to keep him on this defense. So I am thankful for Zadarius Smith. Number eight, I am thankful for Jerome Ford. And, yes, I have trashed Jerome Ford in a whole podcast talking about how he needs to have better vision. Well, you know what? The next week he went out and did what? He got better vision. He started to see holes, started running through holes, got out of that junior high, fifth grade, sixth grade mentality where I'm going to take everything to the sideline and try to run it up the field, has figured out that four yards positive is better than four yards negative, and now he runs up the field. Although I think he disappeared. I mean, I want to make sure he's on not on the injury report coming out today because – 
he kind of just like disappeared during that Pittsburgh game. And by disappeared, I didn't mean, I don't mean like he didn't run very well. I mean, I don't think he was on the field. So I'm actually kind of curious to see if there is some kind of injury with Jerome Ford, especially with the fact that once Rodney McLeod went on IR, the Browns elevated um, running back John Kelly. So I'm I'm wondering if there's something going on with Ford, given that Kelly's coming up onto the active uh, – excuse me, the Browns released John Kelly. I thought they had brought him active. They released John Kelly. So the exact opposite's going on. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm waiting to see if Jerome Ford's out there healthy because he just didn't seem to be on the field and Kareem Hunt was the one running the football. Not that I'm sad about that, but like Kareem Hunt got a lot of usage. All right, number seven, I am thankful for Amari Cooper. Yes, the Amari Cooper who can beat anybody in man coverage, who can, like, get open, who commands double teams that allows these lesser receivers on this team to get open for DTR. If we did not have a number one wide receiver, we would not have these other people open. We would not get get David Njoku open. We would not get anyone else open. And then Amari Cooper is out there doing the dirty work, taking on double teams, still gets his catches and still helps get this offensive passes game rolling. And as Stefanski starts to trust um, DTR more, I think you're going to see more downfield passing. I don't think it's going to be as reliant on those short, quick passes. And this offense will start to open up, but it doesn't have to open up right now because the defense is absolutely amazing. And speaking of defense, number six, on my list of things that I'm thankful for, and I have a lot of just people on my list, is Notre Dame's own Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora. This man does not get talked about enough because Owusu-Koromora is an extremely fast and effective linebacker, and people have complained about that linebacker position for years, and JOK is a wild man and a crazy man. He's getting the, the screen plays. He's getting sacks. He's making tackles at the line of scrimmage where if he doesn't make those tackles, those tackles may not get made. So JOK is a force to be reckoned with, and I want him to be a Brown for the rest of his entire career. So let's sign JOK. Number five, I am thankful for Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt last year was not that good, but this year he's like the guy, and he's carrying the running game. He's helping out Jerome Ford. He's getting him straightened out. He's actually hitting a hole, getting the yards need. He's hurdling Steelers in an attempt to get the offense moving. Jer- uh, Kareem Hunt has shown up and shown out. And if he can stay healthy, just keep this guy. Just keep him next year. Put Jerome Ford back at number three because he's good at catching the pass, running the catching the passes and running with the yards after the catch. You got Kareem Hunt who can do that. Keep these guys together. Keep it Chubb, Hunt, and Ford, and we are going to be in a good spot. Although Pierre Strong is not to be underestimated. All right, number four, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I am thankful for Dorian Robinson-Thompson Dorian Thompson because I'm out there watching him, him play the football game. He has command of the offense. He's not a rookie out there who doesn't seem to know what the heck he's doing. He looks like he had command of the offense, calling the audibles, getting people lined up correctly. He looked like he had the game management situation down last game. Now, next game's next week, and rookies are notoriously inconsistent, but he seemed to have the command. And that's really the first step of understanding 
if a player is going to be a good NFL quarterback is can they understand protections? Can they understand the schemes? Can they understand all those things? And he seemed to have it. Now, as the scheme gets more complex and you throw more at him, you put in the longer town field passing game. Is it going to be that in command, right? And so if, uh, you know, the Browns come out next week at, at Mile High Stadium, you know, he's going to have to also expand his repertoire or the or the uh, Broncos are going to zone in on the same thing the Steelers zoned in on. So, but I am thankful for DTR because I am a believer in DTR. And you throw Joe Flacco in that quarterback room, that's only going to help him progress. I am excited about the future for DTR. Number three, I am excited, jacked out the tilt for Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, I was telling all offseason, for those of you who listen, that Miles Garrett is going to need to figure his crap out or he's not going to last in the Jim Schwart defense. And Miles Garrett has figured his crap out, right? He plays with technique. He understands what offenses are trying to do to him now as opposed to I'm going to run in the backfield and create chaos. He understands when to create chaos, when not to create chaos. He plays within his scheme. The scheme is setting him up for success, and he is being successful. And on top of that, what a lot of people don't see is there are times that Miles Garrett is playing the role of taking up two or three blockers so someone like Shelby Harris or Jordan Elliott or Maurice Hurst can go in and make a play or Zadarius Smith off the other side can make a play. He's playing the decoy route because once he plays the decoy route two or three times, that's going to help him get his own spots open. So Miles Garrett is becoming a team player. We don't listen to him. I'm looking for this award, that award. I'm looking to try to get this and that. That me self person that we had last season seems to have been replaced by a team player in Miles Garrett. And that is truly something to be thankful for because we are going to get to watch probably the greatest defensive end to ever play in the NFL for the next few seasons in Cleveland, right? Miles Garrett is a Brown. He's going to be a Brown. And I'm telling you, if he plays like he's playing now, he will be possibly the greatest NFL defensive end to ever play the NFL, ever to play in the NFL. He may have the stats for it. He may not have the stats for it, but technique wise, quality of play, the ability to disrupt when you're designed to disrupt and not designed to disrupt he will be he will surpass everyone in the NFL. The question is, will he have the stats? I'm guessing he will, but he will be technically the best defensive end probably to play in the NFL. Number two on my list, Coach Kevin Stefanski. For all you fire Stefanski people, just go suck it, man. Kevin Stefanski is possibly the best coach in the NFL right now. He has done more with less than anyone in the NFL over the last four or five seasons he's been around since 2020. Okay. Kevin Stefanski has taken teams that have no business winning games, winning games. He's taking quarterbacks that have no business being on the field and making them look competent. Yes. I'm talking about PJ Walker, Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett made him look like a starter when he's clearly a backup. You've got him out there making every single play. We got Stefanski out there calling tremendous game plans. Now there's a dud in there. Every once in a while, every coach has them. But Stefanski has learned to get away from those trick plays. He seems to be getting out of his own play-calling head and starting to understand we need to do what's responsible in this particular spot. He's not going forward as much on fourth down. He's taking points when there's points to be taken. He is maturing and progressing as a head coach. He's 
I believe Jim Schwartz is rubbing off on this guy and he's becoming more animated in the locker room. He's becoming more of a player's coach. And that's the development you want to see out of Kevin Stefanski. This guy should be here for 10, 15 plus years. And all you morons out there looking to fire him, go find something else to, to get mad about. Go get mad at Deshaun Watson. And the number one thing, thing I am thankful for with the Cleveland Browns this year are wins, baby. Wins. The Browns are winning football games that in the past they would normally lose. Go down 14-0 and you're just like, all right, we're riding out the day. But instead they fight and fight and fight and fight and they win that game. They win the close games. They win games that, you know, we've watched them quit. And now they fight. And they fight to the last man. They'll never surrender because you're facing the Cleveland Browns, baby. Annihilate. Kill. 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 Right? So... Those of you who don't know, I'm quoting the movie Mars Attacks. If you haven't watched that movie, you absolutely will, and you will be thankful this Thanksgiving season that you did. All right, everybody, that wraps this up for us. I'm not even going to talk about Ravens hate because I'll play the, I'll play the little jig because I know you guys love love me some Ravens hate. But I'm going to say we're going to skip the Ravens hate. I'm actually a Ravens fan. Thank you for listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow host Joel Cade on Twitter at The Left Guard. 